Hi, this is Matt Davis, the founding director of the Alan Chu's International Writers Center here at George Mason University. The Chu Center is a cultural diplomatic institution that celebrates creative writing and writers as a means of international dialogue, exchange, and understanding. And at its core, we facilitate the exchange of international creative writers and writing in order to help foster the tolerance and empathy a more connected world requires. We are pleased to be hosting this episode of Mason Out Loud, and today we have Akhbed Naji, an Egyptian novelist and journalist born in Mansoura in 1985. He's the author of three books, Rogers, Seven Lessons Learned from Ahmed Maki, and Using Life, as well as numerous blogs and other articles. He was also a journalist for Akbar al-Adab, a state-funded literary magazine, and frequently contributed to other newspapers and websites, including Al-Mudon and Al-Masri Al-Yum. In early 2016, Ahmed was arrested and imprisoned in Egypt for violating public morality for an excerpt published from Using Life. On May 16, 2016, PEN America honored Ahmed with the PEN Barbie Freedom to Write Award, recognizing his struggle in the face of adversity for the right to freedom of expression. He was released from prison later that year and has since recently moved to the United States with his wife and daughter. Ahmed, welcome. Welcome. How are you doing, Matthew? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I was wondering... Uh, before you were in prison, what was your life like as a writer in Egypt, as a writer and journalist? Before going uh, to prison, I <clears throat> I was just uh, divorced after marriage, and uh, I was uh, living alone. I was um, I used to work as a documentary filmmaker, but then I left this. We we I had a partnership in production house, so I left it. And I stayed for like two or three years living only as a writer. I used to publish the journalist work for several writing websites and magazine. Uh, I finished my novel and it was published. I was happy about it. And I was working on my second uh, one. Uh, although the situation, the political situation wasn't that good, but I remember that time as uh, maybe it's a perfect time in my life I was so relaxed and mm. uh, and taking my time only dedicating my time only to writing and reading um, and I was preparing for another project what was your um, relationship to sort of the power structure of, of Egypt either both the, the formal government or the you know the the security um, services in Egypt. I mean, what was your? Did you have any sort of interaction with them? Were you thinking about them at all as you were writing? Was that something that crossed your mind as you were reporting or doing documentary films or, or writing your novels? Well, yes, it affected um, mainly my journalist work. Although mainly my my journalist work was focusing on on cultural stuff, art and literature. But it's all connected to, to the political environment uh, we have in Egypt. And since 2014, since uh, it was opposite that Sisi will become a president, there was a lot of change, uh, changes market. So first, in our production house, most of uh, the work, the, the, the documentary movie that we used to do, used to do it with Gezira. And it looks like first uh, the current regime again is working against Al Jazeera. He will not tolerate any cooperating with Al Jazeera. Even Al Jazeera itself, there was a huge change about it. Suddenly, the people that I used to work with is leaving Al Jazeera, and mm -hmm. new stuff is coming. Uh, they are becoming more religious. 
the political message become very clear. It was even, it was dangerous working with them and it was hard working with them. So that's why I left the documentary movies. Hmm. I I started, like, I usually, I, I was, I was, it was normal for me since even after the revolution to receive a threaten or to be accused for something related to what I'm writing. But uh, I was able to manage all this. Uh, I wasn't that uh, celebrity. I didn't like to go on TV, so I kept like writing my article. Sometimes some f- articles that I wrote had become viral or things like that. Uh, I thought, yeah, it was it was clear that we are moving towards a military uh, state. Uh, it was clear there would be a breakdown of freedom of expression. My decision was like, okay, there is no place place for me to write in Egypt. Hmm. I started to do to write article and uh, and and journalist pieces for a newspaper in Lebanon and an other Arabic newspaper outside of Egypt. And I thought I will be able to manage. I I started to notice like most of my friends were leaving the country or planning to leave the country. But I refuse, as I said, well, as long as I can continue staying in this country, continue writing, uh, I will stay there. And you've, in one of your essays, you've written about how um, the, there was a brief moment during the Arab Spring, especially in Egypt, when it, it seemed like uh, things were, were going to be changing a little bit. There's a lot of hope um, for Egypt as a country, but also for Egyptian writers, Egyptian journalists. Um, can you bring us back to that time now? It's it's eight years have passed since since 2011. What was that time like for you as, as a young writer, as a young journalist? And, and is there anything from that time that a lot a lot has been lost? Was there anything that has been that has kept on this these last eight years? Uh, it, it was a huge event, and in, 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 in such big events, especially the revolution, the first thing you discover that uh, your in, individuality is not that important. Mm. You discover, you, you look to yourself as a special person, as a writer, but suddenly when you are in the street surrounding with, with all those different people, and all of you are chanting, uh, the same word is you discover that in such moment your singularity uh, there is no place for singularity it's it's a moment when you become part of, of a big thing and suddenly this moment is, is disappearing because I like always how Walter Benjamin the German writer is describing the revolution he describing the revolution as it's a moment when you um, holds a break of the train when the train is running so fast and you hold the break. This is the revolution. Hmm. What is happening after something else? What will happen when you stop the train? Like, it will a huge mass. People who are in front and in the end of the train will become first in the train. Some people will fall down. Some people will, will get a better chair. It will create a chaos. And this is what we have after uh, uh, the revolution, 
we had a time where there is no authority and and there is kind of freedom that sometimes will be similar to coeth it's mm. it's enjoyable but it's also dangerous it's dangerous because suddenly all people are holding weapons and sometimes people are allowed to say what you want to say and and in this moment you started to rediscover yourself uh, and to discover people around you and you to start to create a new identity for you i wasn't that much into political before revolution but mm. suddenly before the revolution political come to your house it's it's coming from television it's coming from the internet even when you open the water tube it's it's it has political political inside it so i started to be involved a little bit in in kind of activist i tried to to focus on what i'm good at the media i'm trying to uh, be involved in a several media project that will serve what i believe in 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 the idea of freedom i didn't care that much about democracy really but i cared more about like freedom more more and more and more freedom because i believe that we needed most in egypt we needed to talk freely and and to get to know each other because we didn't had this opportunity before the revolution what we have now what we have now also is very critical uh, millions of people have left this moment and some of them still stick and in in the prison of this moment i mean they still dreaming and redreaming of it they are victim of their self nostalgia and this is also dangerous because it doesn't help you to 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 observe what happened and to pass it and to think in another thing and and to learn more it suddenly the revolution become your prison hmm. and and the other thing is that it looks like the battle ended we have now like a dictator government everything is turning is becoming worse and worse I mean we are now in situations that is worse than time that mubarak time uh, but the the battle of revolution somehow still exists because one of them one of the aim of the current regime is to to rewrite the history they they keep and it's a huge fight for them is how to shape what happened in 25th of january so sometimes they will go out and say it wasn't a revolution it was an invasion what they are trying to say now that it was just like to uh, 800 people from hamas who entered the border and did all of this but <laughs> those 800 people created the million that were in that yeah, they, they entered and 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 they break they break the prisons and they create this chaos and uh, the egyptian people hate revolution and they don't believe in in demonstration and stuff like that so even after you lose but because they know that this kind of historical event will will keep to be an inspiration for the young generation they want to rewrite the history and and reshape it and every year they are changing uh, uh, the history in 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 the education books and hmm. in the school so you feel that in the same time you want to pass this moment 
you want to deal with the present, you want to plan to look forward to the future, but you know that is part of you is related to what happened and this battle still exists. So you become thinking how to deal with revolution now. Uh, is it important to write it? Is it important to, to not to neglect it and not write it and to look to other stuff? Uh, I'm in I'm in middle of, of, of this path, but I you get angry even if you decided no I'm not going to write about revolution. Many people wrote about it, but you got angry because you you are watching how they are trying to change the history, which is not a national history at this moment. It's part of your personal history. Right. You were you were there right. in, in Tahrir Square. You were there in the street, and you know the people who died and they know the people who killed them. Hmm. Um, and as you said, part of this revolution was to create more freedom and you were arrested um, a little over two years ago now um, for violating public modesty. And, and you know, you're, it was a scene from your novel Using Life in which the main character was giving oral sex to a married woman. And one of your, one of the readers of the novel went to the police station and complained that he had had physical uh, responses to the passage that were that were against his health. Is that is that right? Right, exactly. Uh, but again, it, it, it wasn't sex. You know what's funny? Like there is no much sex in, in in my novel, but it was some words, and and this is also very interesting. Uh, I'm lately was reading uh, the, the manuscript of uh, the Alan Greenspur case in 1960-something here in San Francisco, yeah. in the United States, when they accused him also of disturbing public modesty because of uh, his poem. How? 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 Yeah. yeah. And the things about it is that the, the poem itself it doesn't talk about sex, but some words in it, back time, back, back to the time, it was vulgar and it was not acceptable to be written. Hmm. Thanks God America passed this point, but in Arabic world we're still at this point. So Egyptian and Arabic literature is full of sex, but when usually when they, they are describing sex scene, they, they are using metaphor, they are using things like that, for example, and then he kissed her, and then he squeezed her, her apples, and then he hold her mango, <laughs> and, and suddenly when they are started talking about sex, they are entering like a fruit and the flower shops. <laughs> but in my case, I don't talk about sex, but people are using uh, uh, this word, this, this word that we usually like the normal Egyptian are using in, in the street and in their daily language. And this is what created the case. So the judge who sentenced me in, for two years, um, in his explanation for 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 uh, for why he gave me two years, he's saying, this is not art, this is not literature, because literature must contain metaphors and allegory. And Ahmed Nagy doesn't use metaphor and allegories, huh. so he is not a writer. Huh. So the judge was was telling the writer what literature should be. Exactly for like he he wrote like fifteen pages, fifteen pages explanation explaining why he sentenced me for two years, 
and and when you read it it's it has nothing to do with law it's basically kind of of bad literature critic he's like and he's quoting other old ancient writers and their their definition for uh, for literature and he's like saying and if we look to Quran and in Quran Quran is talking about sex and he's for example talking about uh, you know the story of prophet Joseph uh, I don't know that story that uh, you know prophet prophet uh, Yusuf the son of Yaqub okay when he went to Egypt uh, uh, and then he was like a slave at the Egyptian house and the woman wanted to to sleep with him and then he refused it's like a religious story that you will found in in Islamic mythology and Jewish mythology also and it's written in Quran but it's written using a lot of metaphor so the judge was like and it's not about sex if we look to Quran where sex we will found sex but Quran is using metaphor but Ahmad doesn't using this metaphor or allegory so this is why this is pornographic and he has to be punished um, and, and and this is show you this is also tell us a lot about the current regime so the current regime message he, he is not only against uh, like political writers or or uh, or political opinions that are against him no he want to control the narrative hmm. the whole Egyptian narrative he want to control the TV like now they control the, the media all, all the media outlet they control the TV shows um, the TV series and they are they, they, they are choosing and designing even the small details like now for example they're saying well you can't allow we can't allow in television a married woman having sex with another man hmm. because this will disturb the public more hmm. because the idea the meaning of, of dictatorship is not to punish your political opposite no but is to is is to create or to be the only one who decides the narrative, what the people is watching, what the people is reading, what the people is 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 listening, and even not my case. Even there is in, in the last three years there is many other books and many other writers in Egypt who been suffer who who been suffer from censorship, and not necessarily they are writing about political. I mean. Uh, some books of Halal Aswani, for example, now are banned uh, because they are accusing him of writing about sex. Hmm. Uh, some, even like some stand-up comedian, we had like an, an comedian show called Abla Fahita, which is like a bobbit, a woman, a bobbit of woman making jokes. But usually she's playing a role of like an old woman, because the old woman, mostly her jokes is, is, is related to sex or 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 classes or things like that and they even banned this show they are not this this kind of show is not allowed because he want to, con- to control the narrative because they believe that if today I let space for people to tell jokes that I not approve that means the next day I will hear I, uh, more jokes I, I will hear jokes against me yeah so yeah. And their idol, and, and I mean people like Sisi and other general in in, in in Egyptian army, and they say it. They say it openly. They said, "The perfect country in the world is North Korea." Hmm. 
because the North Korea is like one army unit. All the people woke up at the eight o'clock. All the people wore the same clothes. They go to their job. They all the people finish five and they sleep at eight. Um, so it's a perfect country because it's been been running as a unit in the army. Right. And this is what you get when you have a military people ruling the country without any political background. Yeah. And you, um, so you were sentenced to two years, and you served a little bit less than one, about one year. And we're not going to get too much into your time in prison because you can find information about your time in prison online, but also your next book is going to be about that experience, which I'm very much looking forward to reading when it comes out. Um, but you left prison after a year, and then you wanted to leave the country, but you couldn't. You were banned from leaving it, and you tried several times, and were stopped at the airport um, to from leaving the country. Um, but you got to the United States in August of 2018. So you've been living in the U.S. now for about um, four or five months, and you are entering this period of exile where you really cannot return to Egypt for fear of, of imprisonment. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your, your, your initial thoughts about exile as you've come now to the United States? I know you've told me once before about these sort of two paths of, of, of exile for writers. Maybe you can sort of explain what those paths in your mind are and how you think you might respond to it. Well, for, for now, what I see, um, there, is, there is two paths for writer and artist in, in, in exile. And the first one is that I meet other Egyptian and Arabic writers uh, who, who moved to the state. And, uh, and when you sit with them, they, are, they really don't know anything about the community they are living in. I meet people who are living here for five or six years, and they are not following what's, what is happening in, in the country, in America, or what's happening in their even neighborhood. But they are following all the news about Egypt and what is happening in Egypt. And when they are writing or, or participating in, in the public conversation, they, they are only talking about Egypt. And for me, this is very weird. It's it's like you you leave the country, you are living in a new country, but you are building walls hmm. around around you, and you 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 are trying to be connected to your homeland country. But the reality is that it's only imagination. I mean, because you leave the country like six years ago. And your your image about Egypt is, is not exist anymore. I mean, everything in Egypt changing so fast, so so fast. Even the daily language, the street language, is is changing so fast. And although the internet help to make you look as a connected, but you are not connected. So you ended up after a while living in, in a desperate moment. Your writing after a while become dull. It's like you are living inside your own prison, your, your own wall, and you are writing for a people who are living in another country, but you are not connected with certain living conditions. The other passage is like people who are trying to give what the American Culture Institute uh, want to hear. So you come to here to America or Europe, and 
you of course will be labeled you will be labeled as an Egyptian as a Arabic as a Muslim uh, depending on your skin color they will describe you black or brown or Middle Eastern which is more weird for me <laughs> uh, uh, and some writer I saw some writer are 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 jumping onto this labeling to found a kind of uh, acceptance from the American Institute and the American Cultural Institute. Mm. And sometimes it's become very, very sleazy. Like, for example, I noticed, for example, two, two Egyptian writers, for example, and one of them is a poet. And in his Twitter account, for example, he's always saying, well, I'm cooperating now with this Israeli musician to do like a peace show, Egyptian and musician, love and peace, blah, blah, blah. I mean, dude, we are not in 17th anymore. Like, yeah. like, but again, it's like trying to give what the Western audience waiting. They are waiting, they will love, yeah, Arabic and Jewish together, making art, oh, how beautiful. Yeah. Or you jump into other labels, acting as a Muslim voice. And this is very, this is very weird for me because suddenly, you came here and when they are dealing with you, they are dealing with you as a spokesman for, for a group of people. So they will, if you acted as a Muslim writer, they will come and ask you, what's wrong with Islam? Why Islam is a violence uh, 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 religious? And I, I really don't know, I'm suffering from <laughs> the same problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not responsible for uh, or asking you, telling you, why you Muslim don't do anything about tourism? They bombed us. What? What, <laughs> what else do you want? <laughs> what I'm trying to do now is first, I I feel like I'm totally ignorant. I feel I don't know anything. There is a lot of things like I keep in my phone. I keep doing a list of writer that I want to read, books that I want to read, things that I want to read about and to get to know about because the country is so big and it's it, American history is very complicated. I thought before I came to the state, I thought like, yeah, I know, because I used to come to the state, so yes, I know how the political system is working and I know blah, 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 and I read, of course, American literature and so on. But then when you come and stay, it's so complicated and uh, and and you need first to I feel like I'm f there's a lot I need to learn and read first and then I need to find a way inside this complicated uh, uh, market because even uh, uh, like the system of publishing here and cultural stuff is totally different from from what I used to right. see in the Arabic and Egypt world do you do you think that you someday might want to write in English, or will you always write primarily in Arabic? I'm planning to. I'm 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 planning to. I just like I'm planning like lately. I've been thinking maybe if when I settle down a little bit, I'm moving in Vegas, I'm thinking maybe why not apply for master degree in creative writing in English or yeah or, or English comparative literature. Uh, because if I'm going to, it's look like CC is going forever now. He's changing the constitution. He's planning to stay as a president until he's like 92 years old or something. Yeah. And was kind of American administration and like the world 
all over the world there is arrays of right wings and this is supporting Sisi and, and similar regime in Middle East uh, so it looks like yeah I'm going to stay here for more and uh, I'm dealing myself as, as a writer now uh, sometimes when I got desperate I think maybe I should open a dry cleaner it looks like an interesting <laughs> project and and people earn maybe I'm just like retire and open a dry cleaner here yeah and that's it but I can't like every day when I'm going to the bed and sleeping I'm thinking thinking in words and sentences and the stories and even if I try not to write it I found this passion I want to sit and do this towards the language of course if I'm going to stay here I will for sure I will move to to English but when and how, it's, it's long process, and uh, it's, it's too complicated to move from language. Like I could write emails, I could write informative article, but this is not what I want to write. I yeah. need to get more into the language to find my my literal illusions about yeah. about the language to create my personal dictionary, which like mean will take sentence. I now have a baby, and I'm looking to the baby now. She's four months, and I'm suddenly starting to read about raising the baby and teaching here the language. And I had this fantasy: maybe I will start learning English with her. Huh. Maybe, maybe I will take growing, raising her up as also opportunity to 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 learn English through here. So maybe when she is teenager, 16 years or something, I'll be able to, to write in English hmm. because I learned it like her since she was, she was you, do, do you know what I mean? Right, right, exactly. Do you, is there, um, is there a model of, of a writer in exile that you want to be? Is there someone that, you know, the United States and in, in particular has been home to many writers from countries that have had to leave their countries for numerous reasons, war, imprisonment, um, that have landed here, and some have written in English, some have not. Is, is there someone that you have in mind as someone that sort of speaks to the path that you might want to go down? Uh, of course, there is many exile writers who stayed in the United States, but like when I think of them, I'm, I'm reading their experience, I'm, I'm interested to read more about them. But my idol in this situation is, uh, he, he didn't went to exile in the state, he went to exile in France. He's uh, Milan Kundera. Hmm. So with Milan Kundera, which is more complicated, uh, he was writing in, in, in German, he was in Czech. And then he went from Czech to France, where he stayed most of his years in, 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 in France. And in the beginning of his like 10 or 15 years, he continued writing in, in German language and Czech. Hmm. But suddenly he started to write in, in French. Uh, and, and this is very weird. Some of his novel after a while, he wrote, yeah, like for example, he wrote this novel in French, and the next novel, then he wrote it. He wrote it in Czech. Some mm. novels, he was like, he's the one who writing it in French, and he's the one who like helping in translating oh, interesting. it. Uh, and what is interesting about Condera that he moved in, and also very critical moment. He moved from 
uh, Sheik was under the Soviet Union and he escaped to France as like a liberal capitalism. It was the time of the Cold War. Right. And in this time, using writer and artist, it was it was part of the battle. I mean, right. America, especially America, will give uh, asylum for writer from 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 Russia from uh, Soviet Union to say well Soviet Union is bad don't have a freedom of expression we welcome a writer and so on and so on but in the case of Kundera he success not to be part of, of this battle and he success in his writing critical both both kind of, of system like like the the the, the, the the kind of communist parties under Stalin and even the life in France under free market uh, world. Uh, and he's doing this without critiquing, without becoming like a propaganda political writer. Because, and we were discussing about political novels and political parts. One of the why people are not afraid from writing a political novels, not only because it's against uh, the, the aesthetic of yeah, beauty, the aesthetics, the aesthetic, yeah. no, but because when you start writing a political novels and political work, sometimes you will become just a political propaganda. Yeah, and a pawn almost. Yeah, yeah, most of it. Uh, so, uh, so in in the case of Kundera, he was able to move between language. He was able to move between two different regime and system. And in the same time, to keep himself and to keep his writing as uh, something personally, something singularity, to keep his singularity uh, work. Uh, I'm fascinated, I'm fascinated by, by him dealing in, in exile. Huh. Um, well, thank you, Ahmed, for joining us uh, this afternoon. This was a great conversation. And, and you can find Ahmed's work online. You can buy his book, Using Life, online. And look forward to, uh, hopefully, your, your, your book of nonfiction that will be about your prison experience will come out in Arabic this year and then hopefully yeah. soon translate into English thereafter. So thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for listening. And we will be back another time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.